0: Surround yourself with positive people. Get cheerleaders—people who are going to tell you you're fabulous, who are going to tell you you're worth it, who are going to tell you you can do it—and you have to believe that and say it for yourself. And to me, the easiest way to retrain the brain is doing affirmations. So if those negative thoughts come in, of oh, I can't do it, you need to switch that right away. Mm-hmm. And having a partner that's supportive—and I know, unfortunately, so many people are locked in either like passive-aggressive, narcissistic, negative relationships—you've got to get away from people who's purpose is to bring you down. Surround yourself with positive people, surround yourself with positive thoughts, positive images. When we look at things that are beautiful, our mind starts to shift. We head towards that positivity.
1: are listening to the Move to Millions podcast with Dr. Darnell J. Harmon. If you're ready for high-level conversations that position and prepare you to move your company, cash flow, and connection to and beyond the million-dollar mark, let's get this party started. This episode is powered by Shatter Your Income Ceiling, my private advanced training, which breaks down the framework that my clients and I are using to experience consistent Thirty to $100,000 months in our service-based businesses. Learn more and apply today at workwithdarnielle.com. In today's episode, I chat with Kathy Groover. Okay, listen to me. You guys aren't ready for this conversation. There's so many powerful things that Kathy and I talked about. I'm just really, really excited for you because if you've ever struggled with being in a negative state when you needed to be in a positive state... What you are going to learn is literally going to change the game for you. Kathy Groover is an award-winning author, professional speaker, and former actor with over 30 years of experience in mind, body, medicine, and human behavior. An entertainer and educator imbuing all of her programs with practicality and passion. With a West Coast mentality and an East Coast delivery, her humorous, down-to-earth, and engaging style has captivated audiences on four continents, three cruise ships, and a handful of islands it's been her true honor to have delivered two tedx talks kathy has written eight books she just told me she just finished her eighth book which have garnered 12 awards hosted a tv series based on her first book developed a stress reduction program for the u.s military and co hosts the fire and oath podcast she has penned countless articles and appears regularly as a guest on radio, TV, and imprint media. She recently appeared on the Dr. Phil show. She has earned her PhD in natural health and has studied mind body medicine at the famed Benson Hen- Henry Institute for Mind Body Medicine at Harvard. Ooh, I didn't know that about her. She currently lives in Santa Barbara with her boyfriend, her guinea pig, Listo, and her cat, Alistair. Hopefully I pronounced that correctly. Listen to me. This was such an amazing conversation. There were so many things that we talked about that I really, really loved. My favorite part was at the very end. Now, I don't want you to skip over the entire episode to listen to the end because you're going to miss so many powerful nuggets if you do. But at the very end, she talked about something that I think really could change the game for you. I'm not going to steal the thunder. Of this powerful interview. So I want you to grab pen and paper and listen in as I have this amazing conversation with Kathy Groover. Kathy Groover, I am so excited to welcome you to the Move to Millions podcast. How are you today?
0: I'm so good. Thank you so much for having me.
1: Oh, I have been looking forward to this conversation. Before we jump in, why don't you just take a moment and tell everybody who you are in your own words?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I'm Kathy Groover. I'm based out of Santa Barbara, California. I'm a Pittsburgh girl originally. So East Coast, East Coast mentality, West Coast sort of, you know, (laughs) delivery with things. But no, I started out as a performer of all things. I was an actress, which is what drove me cross country to look for that stardom in Hollywood, which never came. But as a parallel with that, I was always doing things like massage and Reiki and interested in herbs and homeopathics. And so when I realized the acting thing was ending, I shifted all of my focus into that parallel path, which was the healing. So I moved up to Santa Barbara, opened a practice here, started seeing clients, started writing, started speaking. And now here we sit many, many years later, I'm back on stage, different outfit, different dialect, but the same basic thing. And I get to be on stage and entertain people and help them learn. Just finished my eighth book. And I'm a trapeze artist. Wow. Also. And You're
1: like multifaceted. You're doing <laughs> lots of stuff. I love it.
0: I have to. I'm a yeah, total adrenaline junkie. So now I just, I go around the world. I speak, I write, I do coaching. And when I'm not doing that, I'm on a trapeze. So yeah. it's it's
1: What do you good. love to talk about the most?
0: Stress. Stress, stress is really my thing. Um, I do stress communication and ego state optimization, which is okay. you know, bringing your best you forward. Mm-hmm. So yeah, those are the kind of the three topics I've fallen into.
1: And how did stress become the thing that you started talking about?
0: You know, I mean, as a massage therapist, everybody walked in my office talking about stress mm-hmm. and I began to realize that they wanted me to do more than just put an elbow in the muscle that hurt. They wanted to talk and they expected me to be like a full blown health practitioner. And that's when I went, oh, geez, I should probably learn something official So I went back to school, got my master's and Ph.D. in natural health. And when it came time to do my dissertation, my advisor said, you know, what of our courses really like zinged you, like what excited you? And it was all the mind body medicine stuff. So I found myself sitting at Harvard. I went to um, Benson, uh, Herbert Benson's uh, program at Harvard, Benson Henry Institute for Mind Body Medicine. I think I've done five or six classes there. And just this idea of stress and how it affects every aspect of our lives how it affects our business, our communication, our leadership, our relationships, all of that stuff just became so mm-hmm. exciting to me. And if I can impart any stress reduction for people, then i then I did my job.
1: Yeah. So I really love that. And you, you kind of talked over it really, really fast. So I'm going to ask you to kind of take a step back and instead of sprinting, like let's not be the, would you say east coast state of mind? <laughs> let's be a little <laughs> bit more west coast with okay. it. Right. Because I think like just in that piece that you just said right there, as it pertains to the mind, body and medicine, right, the correlation Mm -hmm. of it all coming together, the role that stress plays Mm -hmm. first in our body, but then ultimately in our lives and how that impacts us as business owners. So let's explore that a little bit more. And I do want to talk about the ego state of optimization, because I do believe that understanding how to bring your best self out is an important way to manage and mitigate stress. So I yeah. want us to get there, but before we get there, I wanna just kind of unpack the stress thing. I think it's really great that mm-hmm. people would come to see you. And I wrote down what you said, cause I think that's a really powerful statement. I knew they didn't just want me to put an elbow in their back. Like they needed to talk, they needed that release. And so talk to us, I guess a little bit about the role that stress plays in every area of of their lives. And then I also would love for you to share a little bit more about the role that talking, releasing audibly plays in reduction of stress.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So if you look at some of the warning signs of stress, it's, physical pain, it's not sleeping, it's increased like eating or addiction issues, bossiness, road rage, you can't be a good leader. <laughs> if you're not sleeping, if your memory shot, if your cognitive higher brain functions are not working. And that's what we see with stress is, you know, you tend to look for more negative things when you're already in a stressed state, that's our brain protecting us. So you know, it's going to tell us that every garden hose is a snake. Mm-hmm. That's not good. If you're heading into a communication, a sales call, a negotiation, if you're already looking for negatively balanced words or you're misreading their body language as, oh, he just doesn't like me. That's what the lens of stress does. We view everything through this cloudy windshield in our car. And you know, you can't have good leadership without communication. You can't have good you know, bottom line and good build in your business without good leadership. Even if you're an entrepreneur or solopreneur, you still need to have that ability to communicate well and be a good leader. Yeah, and that's if, so good. Yeah. if so you're good. stressed, it's not going to happen. You said two things
1: that I liked. You said if you're already looking at everything as if everything is against you, you said if you su- yeah. assume every garden hose is a snake. Yep. So the lens of negativity and how like where does that come from? Like, how do we we co- Like, <laughs> I always say this, you know, we come into the earth realm as vessels of light, the epitome of abundance, right? the moment we're pushed out of the uterus into the universe, we are a vessel of light. And then in the next minute we meet our parents and immediately our light starts to evaporate. Like how much time (laughs) does it take for you to become this negative vessel that is holding all of this stress that is leading in stress, that is the epitome of stress and trying to call it leadership. Like how does this happen? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't even know if you can answer the question, but from your perception, having done this work for all of these years, work with these people through stress management and then the ego state of work, like where does it come from for you? And then Mm -hmm. where do you find that breaking point where you can actually (laughs) open them up to the possibility that there's something other than stress and negativity available to them if they would just look for it?
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm going to do a quick exercise with you because it's going to illustrate this exact thing. Okay, so awesome. I want you right now, look around your room and find everything you can that's red. Memorize everything that's red, okay? Now, close your eyes and try to recall everything you saw that was blue.
1: <laughs> I don't have anything blue in my office except
0: for an ink pen. My I see office. a lot of blue stuff behind you that you didn't notice. No, that's purple. That
1: Oh yeah, that's blue.
0: Yeah. Here's the thing though, the blue stuff didn't disappear. Mm -hmm. You just weren't focused on it because you were only focused on the red. And when I do this in groups, I see people just start to laugh because they're like, I didn't see anything blue. And then they realize they're sitting in front of a blue screen or they've got a blue shirt or the person in front of them has a blue streak in their hair. We find what we're looking for Mm -hmm. and our brain is out to protect us. So our brain is constantly scanning the environment for things that are a threat, for things that are negative, for things that are scary. Thank God we have that. Or we would assume every snake Is a garden hose and that's not going to be good for our survival Mm -hmm. so we evolved looking for danger that is just what we do the problem now is it's not a bear jumping out it's not a snake it's the boss with a certain look tells us they want to see us at two o'clock today (gasps) oh my god and we mount this huge fight or flight response Mm -hmm. thinking this is a threat to us so now one of the things we have to watch out for is we're looking at this emotional perceived stress as the same thing as a bear attacking us, Mm. which we mount this huge fight or flight response. So in defense of our brain, it's its job. Now, the way our brain works is when we think a certain thought, two parts of the brain communicate. When we're done thinking that thought, that connection goes away, but there's this little trail of dust left. To me, it, it looks like the Milky Way. The more we think that thought or that theme of thoughts, the stronger that connection of dust gets until we completely rewire our brain. It's called neuroplasticity. So if we're constantly thinking negative things, that's just going to lead us to more and more negative things. Right. Really hard to just stop thinking things. You know, my grandmother was a fatalist. If you were two minutes late for dinner, she had you dead in a ditch. Mm-hmm. That's it. If she didn't consider traffic or you were on a phone call or you were dead, you were gone, you're never coming back. That was how her brain worked. It would have at that age been so hard for me to help her retrain her brain. So we where can. does it come from, though? It's our like, defense mechanism. But, but
1: how do we learn that, though? Like, how do, well, how do I learn that the way to protect myself is to be negative as opposed to the way to protect myself is to be cautiously optimistic? Where does that come from?
0: Part of that is I think how we just shoot out of the womb. Some of us are just wired that way. You know, I've seen kids who are terrified of everything and the sibling is like, what's wrong with you? It's the ocean, like just get your feet wet. You know. So I think part of it is just genetics and the other part of it is how we are raised. Mm-hmm. And I have watched, Friends of mine raise terrified children because at every turn it's, oh, are you okay? Oh, don't touch that. Oh, are you all right? Mm -hmm. And when you grow up, when your brain is so malleable, hearing that the world is a dangerous place and the combination of our brain knowing the world's a dangerous place and constantly looking for things to scare us, you're setting up, it's the perfect concoction for a fear-based life. And it's really hard to undo that. You know, if you're 40 years old and you spent 40 years being fearful, add into that your brain who's looking for things to scare you. You know, it's hard to undo that. This is where I love things like meditation, affirmations, visualization. We can retrain our brain. Mm-hmm. Neuroplasticity. It takes time. It's not going to be a that kind of thing. Though, frankly, as I do that, I realize hypnosis is kind of a, that type yeah, of thing. Something be- else
1: I do. So, so let me ask you this. So if I am not, let's not make it me. Let's make it someone else arbitrary out in
0: the world. If Susie mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> is in a constant state of negativity yep. and she decides, or no, let's not even say she makes a decision. Mm-hmm. She has a thought one day that is contrary to every other thought she's ever had. And that thought mm-hmm. spurs the possibility of something else existing for her. What are the steps? That Susie has to take in order to live into that possibility in order to begin retraining her brain?
0: Yeah, that's gonna be a tough one. Susie's a mess. So if she has spent, however old Susie is, 45 years being scared, negative, r- looking for failure, knowing she's not good enough, if she has a thought of, oh my God, maybe I can go apply for that new job, everything in her brain is saying, no, you can't. You're a loser. Remember the last time you applied for that job? You made a fool of yourself. You're stupid. But Mm -hmm. I want to, but I want to assume like,
1: I don't want to continue us down that path. I want to assume that, that she has created an opening because there's somebody listening right now, Kathy, that has been in a space of negativity that has also been introduced to the, the example of positivity and they want to explore that there and they want to fight against everything in them that, that brings the negative back. What do I do? Like, how do I take this Mm -hmm. one Thin thread of thought that is contrary to everything that I know and ride it until the wheels fall off so that I can begin to change my reality. Like, I don't want to go back. I -hmm. only want to move forward. What does that look like? Yeah,
0: dude, let's do it. So, surround yourself with positive people, get cheerleaders, people who are going to tell you you're fabulous, who are going to tell you you're worth it, who are going to tell you you can do it. And you have to believe that and say it for yourself. And To me, the easiest way to retrain the brain is doing affirmations. So if those negative thoughts come in, oh, I can't do it, you need to switch that right away. Mm -hmm. And having a partner that's supportive, and I know unfortunately so many people are locked in either like passive aggressive, narcissistic, negative relationships, got to get away from people whose purpose is to bring you down. Surround yourself with positive people, surround yourself with positive thoughts, positive images. When we look at things that are beautiful... Our mind starts to shift. We head towards that positivity.
1: Okay. I want to pause you. I want you to stop right there because you're like rattling this off. And I wanna keep us on a trajectory of giving them actionable steps that they can utilize. Yep. I love what you just said. When you look at something beautiful, your brain starts to shift. Was that what the quote was? Okay. Yep. I wanna write that down because that was good. All right. So affirmations. Yep. So I know what they are. Right. And I'm going to I don't like to make the assumption that everybody knows what we're talking about. So can you define sure. what an affirmation is first and foremost? Yeah,
0: absolutely. So the key to affirmations is you want to make them short, positive language and put them in the present moment. So as if you already have that thing. So not someday I'll not be broke. Eh, no, that's not right. I am prosperous and abundant but money for flow-
1: affirmation, like. again, I'm purposely stopping you because I want to make it so elementary so that people don't miss this because this is huge, Kathy, like, and I know it's your work and you do it every day and twice on Sunday and you probably don't even think anything about it. But the person who exists in a paradigm of negativity that has a Mm -hmm. glimpse of positivity, they need to be slow walked
0: through. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Hold on. It's coming. So rather than saying something like someday I'll not be broke, that's putting it in the future. That's using the word broke. It's using that negative language. The way you want to do the affirmation, as I just said, short, positive in the present moment, it's a short statement affirming that thing that you want. But you're going to say it as if you already have it because that's how our brain works. Okay. Don't use a negative word like not because your brain doesn't hear not. It just hears the negative, the other thing that you just said. So it starts to retrain the brain. We all have an area of negativity that we tend towards. Maybe it's relationships, maybe it's our weight, maybe it's a job. Figure out that thing that you hear yourself saying all the time. With money, I hear people say, oh, I, I don't have enough, I'm broke, I can't afford that, I'll never get that. They say things like that that keep them held down. Mm-hmm. If you shift that to, I am prosperous and abundant, money flows easily to me, I am surrounded by riches and lavish whatever you want, your brain starts to rewire. That thought that is that used to be dust now starts to hardwire and it leads you towards more negative things. Okay. Our brain hold on one second. Our brain looks for stuff that we're familiar with. This is why we stay in negative relationships or in a job we don't like. It would rather be familiar than step out into the unknown. That terrifies the brain.
1: Okay. So if well, me, hold stop- on. There's oh. a reason why I'm interjecting, Kathy. You yep. got to trust
0: me here, sweetie. Okay.
1: Yep. That's what you're trying to do. But I'm thinking about our, our listeners and making mm-hmm. sure that they are going to be able to dissect all of this. Yep. Because again, to you, it's second nature, but to the person who lives in a paradigm of negativity, this is German. And if you keep speaking German to them, then they don't understand, right? Yep. So when you say a short statement affirming what you want, mm-hmm. I want to talk about the word "want" because I believe that want is a negative lack word. And wouldn't it be better stated to say what it is that they desire so that they stay in a positive energy? Because want for most people is a reminder of what they don't have, yes?
0: Yeah. But you're not actually using the word want. I mean, I was just using that as, you know, whether it's prosperity or abundance or joy or a good relationship, you're not going to use the word want in the affirmation.
1: Yeah. And, and I get that piece of it. But the reason yeah. why this, the reason why this is important is because of the energy of want versus the energy of desire.
0: Yes. Yeah, I see that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Right. And we need them to raise their vibration. We haven't gotten into the, the energetic flow that goes with affirmations yeah. that, puts them in a space where they can start to attract the things that they want much faster. Mm-hmm. But I think that if we're going to talk about stress and the role stress plays and, and negativity and shifting into positivity, we do have to be careful with the words that we use,
0: right? Yeah. I never thought about the word want as being negative. I guess that that doesn't hit me that way. But no, I said that. You're not negative. So, <laughs> so what happened? You know what I mean? Like Because yeah.
1: today I live in a paradigm of abundance. There is no lack yeah. in my life. Mm-hmm. However, that was not always the case. And I listen, and I'm sure you do this with your clients without even realizing it, even Mm -hmm. because it's second nature to you. I listen to my clients and the energy that the word want holds for them is always bogged down energy. Mm -hmm. But I get them to shift and start thinking about what they desire instead, Mm -hmm. their energy lightens. Now they can consider the possibility. They're starting to smile a little bit more because there's Mm -hmm. baggage associated with wants. But there's this lightness, there's this uh, euphoria, even to a certain extent, that is associated with a desire or a fantasy, you know, that thing that you desire instead. And so I I just want to make sure that for the listeners that are like, okay, yeah, I I love what they're saying. Mm -hmm. How do I make this practical? Like even the words that you choose make a difference. Okay, so so far, we are going to surround ourselves with positive people going to make sure that we believe it ourselves, which can be hard. Yep. And the way that we raise our belief is through erecting these short statements that are positive present tense. Now, from yep. your vantage point, Kathy, how important is the ownership of the statement? And what I mean by that, how important is the I am at the front of the statement?
0: Yeah, you have to. I mean, to me, that's the way I was taught to do them because it's it's about you. It's yeah. about what you desire. The other thing is, if you want to get really like into the affirmations write them out longhand and cursive that thing you know they don't teach us anymore (laughs) because that handwriting goes directly to our subconscious and if you do it a half hour before you go to sleep it goes directly into the subconscious and your brain works on it all night long that is the most suggestible time for our brain and our subconscious is that half hour before we go to bed
1: okay i gotta stop you right there because that was so juicy good and i've never heard that and i Mm -hmm. have done a lot of work in and around affirmation the power of the statements the importance of using i am all Mm -hmm. of that, which is why I pulled it out for you because your initial definition was just a short statement, but a short statement of ownership is how Mm -hmm. you really do it. So, okay. So writing it longhand in cursive 30 minutes before you go to bed is the way that you start to change your brain. Kathy, I could smack you. And that's a good thing. That (laughs) That is so good. I have never heard that. Like I have heard, you know, before you go to bed, write things down, never cursive and the importance of it Mm -hmm. being in cursive and that if you write it before you go to bed, your brain will vacillate on it all night. Yep. That is brilliant. Okay. Like if you're listening right now and you want to stop listening to this interview, drop the mic and go start writing these statements. I'm totally okay with that because (laughs) that is how we're going to move you in a direction to your desires, to the things that you crave more than what your life experience has taught you based on what you were raised to believe, have come to believe, keep Mm -hmm. telling yourself is your belief. There is an opportunity for you to change your belief. All right, Kathy. So what else do we do? Those are the first three surround ourselves by positive people, believe it in ourselves and recite affirmations. What else?
0: You know, visualizing is great. We're daydreaming all the time. Anyway, we always have that fantasy running through our head. So often it's a negative fantasy. It's, oh, the boss is going to yell at me. Oh, the boyfriend's going to leave. We project into this negative future. One, there is no future. There's only the present. And because our brain, again, looks for things that are familiar to us, if we're constantly expecting a negative future, guess what we're going to get? A negative future. Whereas if you're visualizing positive things, your brain is going to work on finding positive things. It's just how it works. That's so good. Oh my gosh, that was so
1: good. You said two things I really love. We are daydreaming all day anyway. We might as well make it work for us. Love that, first and foremost. And then there is no future. There's only the present. Can you unpack that for us a little bit?
0: Yeah, it's great. I love Eckhart Tolle. He's one of my favorite teachers. I've studied with him for years, and he said he was at a little bar in Scotland and on the door, it said free beer tomorrow. And people kept showing up and he kept saying tomorrow. (laughs) There is no tomorrow. Tomorrow is now today. So. Why suffer twice? If in the future something bad happens, then you can decide how you want to respond to it. But to waste this beautiful, precious moment thinking about things that haven't even happened that scare the crap out of you. Why are we doing that to ourselves? Why are we what if-ing in the, in the middle of the night? If you're going to think about the future and we have to plan, I'm all about fantasizing about the future, but make it positive. Same thing with dragging negative stuff from the past. How often has, you know, days after the flight, people are still complaining about, well, just sit on the runway for 15 minutes or, you know, whatever it was. We get some little burst of something by complaining about this stuff. Let the guy on the freeway go. Let the bad relationship go. It's not always easy, but we have to try to let that stuff in the past because it's affecting our now and our now is all we have.
1: I feel like what I'm hearing you say is the role that forgiveness has to play, like, Forgiveness needs to be a perpetual state like you're never not in a state of forgiveness so that you leave the 15 minutes on the runway behind and can move on to whatever's next waiting for you to potentially change your life, which I think is so powerful. The reason I love talking about mindset and I don't think, you know, regardless of where you are today and where it is that you desire to be tomorrow, it's always a mindset shift that is the catalyst to you actually getting there. I think it's so important. So when you think of it, when I think about your work and this whole mind body connection, and and I know that there's potentially the medicinal piece, that's a part of it, but your mind has the ability to heal your body. Like, you know, I know I've read stories. I actually know people who heal themselves from cancer, just from their positive belief, because, mm-hmm. you know, they, I, I forget, I read it years ago, but Something crazy, like maybe 75 or 80% of cancer cases are as a result of unresolved emotional distress in the body. That is crazy to me. But at the same time, I completely get it when I think about your work and what it is that you do and how not being in a perpetual state of forgiveness will create in us all of those things that we claim we don't desire in our life experience.
0: Uh Right? That, that's a really good point. I never thought about it as the the guise of forgiveness but you're right it's like if the person cuts you off on the freeway just go clearly you're in a rush to get somewhere God bless go in peace yeah you know, why am I gonna put myself in a stress state about that? You yeah know, the other thing is if you look at our society and things like social media and reality TV and you know we get rewarded for negative behavior all the time. So if we're standing at a cocktail party, remember when we could do that, like in person, Mm -hmm. and we're standing in that circle, and you know, how's your day? Oh, I'm good. How are you? I'm fine. How are you? I'm okay. Who suddenly gets all the attention? So there's a huge piece of secondary gain for being negative. We get so much attention for the funny story about being stuck on the runway and they ran out of ice and how horrible the flight was. You know, that becomes our identity. If you're using it as an anecdote. Sure. If you're using it as an identity, that's where it has to shift. Mm -hmm. That's good.
1: So how does taking this need to shift the identity move us into the ego state of work and really learning how to shift the way you see yourself first and foremost, so that your ego actually shows up as a positive reflection of who you are instead of more negative fear based, which is typically what ego is. So how does that correlation start?
0: Yeah. So when looking at the ego state optimization piece, we have anywhere up to 50 different sort of characters that we can come up with at any given time. You know, I've got Lecture Kathy, I've got Girlfriend Kathy, I've got Trapeze Girl Kathy, I've got like Crazy Funny Kathy. I've got, you know, we all have these different pieces. You act differently at the PTA meeting than you do at the business meeting, Mm -hmm. I hope. You Mm -hmm. act differently at the football game with the guys than you do on your first date with the girl, or I hope. So who do you want to bring forward? We all have this scared, negative, sort of anxious piece. We all have a scared little kid. Knowing who you are, knowing those team players in your inner team, we tend to have about 10 to 15 aspects that come forward most often. They are there formed in childhood. They are hardwired into the brain. This is not some construct. This is, they're actually there. Studies support this. So if you know who you are, these different pieces of who you are, Then you can pick who wants to come forward. Yeah. You know, my mom used to play with these paper dolls. And the first paper doll was this little girl in just a slip, just a little smock. And you could put whatever outfit on her you wanted. You could make her a little marching band person or a queen or a princess or an animal. Or if you don't know what those outfits are, you can't choose what you're going to wear today. Mm -hmm. So it's a matter of know thyself, getting, you know, writing down your different aspects, writing down what role they play. What do they want to be called? How can you bring them forward? Mm-hmm.
1: That's good. And what is like? How do I get to know myself? Mm. Like my true self, not the negative Nelly part of myself. Mm-hmm. But like, because I feel like, and maybe you know this more than I, but I feel like the people who are perpetually negative get to the point where they say, "There's got to be more to life than this. Like, this can't be all that there is, right?" And just asking that question or making that statement is enough to start the wheels in the direction of what who they're supposed to be instead. So okay. I, I've said that to myself, I know there's gotta be more to life than this. Mm-hmm. Like, how do I begin the process of getting to know myself?
0: Yeah, I don't know if you've ever been in a team situation where you've got like a bunch of people at a board meeting or something. Yeah, there's always that one guy, he has to answer every question, he has to jump in, he has to interrupt, he has to be the center of attention. Look at that boardroom as all of your different selves. Okay. What does that guy need? Does he need attention? Does he need reassurance? Does he have fear that if he doesn't speak up, he'll be looked at as stupid? What role does that loud mouth in the corner play in that meeting? What does he need? The same thing with our, all our different personalities. My main personality, I call her Capricorn. She's very driven. She's very type A. She's very, this is Capricorn, this gesture. She takes over my life. She gets everything done. She keeps me on task. She's also a hard nose, very judgmental, very workaholic why are you sitting down at 10 o'clock at night to have a glass of wine and watch TV? You have more work to do, young lady. She
1: Sound can't like she needs to take a chill pill.
0: Dude, she does. And I have found ways to go. What do you need? She fears that if I'm not constantly productive, either I'm going to fail, people are going to perceive me as a failure. People aren't going to like me. The more I accomplish, the more I'm going to be loved. It's you know having that conditional uh-huh. love from your parents. Mm -hmm. All of these form when we're a little kid. Even as a little kid, I'm like, okay, if I just work harder, they're going to love me more. And I had a pretty, pretty damn good childhood. It's not like I was, you know, but these personalities form. So it's a matter of seeing, okay, well, she can't drive the bus the whole time. Who do I want in charge? Well, I want my playful one to come out. I want to go on a hike and play football and be funny with my boyfriend. I want my compassionate one, my caregiver to come out. So sitting down and just writing, who are these different pieces of my personality? Get to know what they need, where they came from, if you can figure that out. you know I have this comedian jokester that came out because I realized that was an appealing part of myself when I was younger. My dad was the jokester, so I imitated that. Now I have this sort of clowny character that comes out, just like Chandler Bing from Friends. Anytime he was stressed or there was something emotional, he became funny that was his go-to ego state.
1: Can I do this work by myself or do I need somebody to support me?
0: Having a coach who knows how to do this or a, or a therapist, or a psychologist that do this sort of thing is really helpful. You can do it yourself. I this is one of my favorite things when I do coaching and hypnosis. This I have seen this unlock so much in people yeah. because they realize they have a different choice. You know, again, just like in the office, you're not going to turn to the CEO and have him, you know, make all the copies. You have Bob in the copy room to do that. So, it's about calling on the right personality for the right job. There are times my Capricorn is needed, and there are times she gets in the way. I get to make that choice. Mm, That's good. I love that. I love that. That's so good. I love this work. This is one of my favorite things. Yeah.
1: Like, I mean, just that there are times when your Capricorn is needed, and there are times when she's in the way. I get to make that choice. Mm -hmm. And so, every single one of us, we have our different personalities the one that serves and protects us that mostly is needed. But there are times when they're in the way, like when we need to let our guard down and be vulnerable in relationships, yeah. not just romantic relationships, even in business relationships. Right. If you absolutely desire to build a team and take your company beyond the million dollar mark and you're the staunch type A personality, you're not going to probably be able to get people on your team who can believe mm-hmm. and support your vision. There's going to yep. be a time when the vulnerable version of yourself needs to come forward so that you can share the vision and get everybody to rally around the vision so they can get excited about the vision and work towards mm-hmm. the vision. I yep. love that, cat. That is so good. I feel like that statement right there is worth the price of admission. That was yeah. so, so good. Okay, so.
0: Well, I- as I say, and now that you guys know that these ego states exist, you're going to watch yourself switching states and you're going to see people around you switching states. If you ever ha- find yourself going, oh, God, why did I say that I hate when I act like that? Or, oh, why did I agree to head up the PTA again? I don't really want to do that. Ego state shift. Mm. The wrong ego state went to the PTA meeting. <laughs> the vulnerable people pleaser showed up and went, okay, Donna, I'll do it again. And the rest of your states went, no, we don't. Uh, okay.
1: <laughs> wow. I love it. I think that's so good. How do I make the choice? Like, it, Like, is it just consciously? I like when I feel when this version of myself was present, bring this person present more. Is it like literally that simple?
0: It, uh, I don't know how simple it is, but yeah, no, it is that you have to know who they are first. You yeah. have to know all the members of the team before you can call in the right one, what role they play and when do you think you need them? And then how do you get them? You know, I can, my, my Capricorn's always ready to go, but how do I get my vulnerable little kid to come out? how do I get my circus trapeze? I'm going to get this trick right character. Sometimes we can do it. we anchor them in. So if I want speaker Kathy, I got to put on my heels, I got to put on that nice dress. And the second I walk on that stage, she's there. The way to get those is not only knowing them, but if you come from that neutral place of self, mm-hmm. it's that paper doll with just the slip on. And self, comes from self awareness. It's that know thyself thing. But that self is that neutral it's compassionate it's caring it's patient it's kind it's courteous if we sit in that self and we get there through things like meditation the affirmations mindfulness practices from that neutral place of self we can pick whatever aspect of ourselves we want to put on Mm.
1: so the important thing i'm hearing you say is to be able to in any circumstance start at that neutral place so i feel like let me Make this real for the, the entrepreneurs, small business owners, and CEOs that are going to be listening to this podcast. So you're about to have a big meeting with either a prospective client or your entire team. In the moments before you walk into the meeting, getting to a place, my my Nana used to say, get somewhere and sit down, right? So get to a quiet place mm-hmm. where you can allow your neutral self to emerge so that you can then call on the version of yourself. And I don't know if that's the right terminology, correct me mm-hmm. or wrong. So yeah. fall on the version of yourself that you need to go into the meeting. So the hard ass doesn't go into the meeting if this is a, a an opportunity to rally the troops and to get them excited behind a vision, right? The vulnerable version of yourself, the visionary, goes into the meeting and not the you know the hard nosed boss who just wants everything done. And why are you laughing? We're supposed to be working hard here. And so being able to come to that that space mm-hmm. and get yourself down, and I feel like that's so good, Kathy. And I feel like really practically what that means is that we should never rush from meeting to meeting to meeting. We should always have space in between in order to collect ourselves to, Mm. to, as you said, to know who all that we are, right. To know which role that they play and then determine which one we need for the next thing we have to do. Yes. Oh my gosh. That is so good. That is so stinking good. If you're listening to this podcast right now, you just got your whole life. Like really like whether you are, a negative Nelly, or if you're a positive Patty, but the opportunity to just be able to get somewhere, sit down, collect yourself, really think yeah. about who, I love the, who must I be, right? That's part mm-hmm. of the model of abundance to be able to ask yourself, who must I be? So that that particular version of yourself is who shows up to spring forth the goals and the visions and what it is that you desire. Okay. We're going to stop right there, Like, because I don't think it gets any better. <laughs> So before I let you go, though, I do want to ask you just a couple of questions. We always yep. like have little fun questions with every guest. So my first question is, what is the last book you read?
0: Oh, I, <laughs> because I'm such a nerd, I read a book on cognitive behavioral therapy for couples because I do couples coaching and wanted some exercises.
1: Okay. I love it. And what is your favorite quote?
0: Go for it. Great. To the point. Love mm-hmm.
1: that. And what is one system that in your own business, you swear by to help you to take your business to the next level.
0: Yeah. I'm a to-do list maker. And to me, you write it out in longhand again. And when you do it, you cross it off. And if you go to cross off and you realize you didn't write it down, you write it down to cross it off. Gotcha. Yeah. I think I'm (laughs) the same way. I'm not the only one that does that. I know I'm not.
1: Such a great conversation. I'm so excited for our listeners to be able to listen back to this episode over and over and over again. Thank you so much for being here with us, Kathy. I appreciate you.
0: Uh, I appreciate you. Thanks for having me. I told you, right?
1: Like, was that not the most amazing thing you have ever heard? I love that Kathy shares so much and she knows it like the back of her hand, but she was able to really help us break down what you're going to need to think about and what you're going to need to modify in order to make these powerful poignant shifts I loved our ability to be able to have a conversation around the difference between the word want and desire and what that opens up in you, especially if you sometimes struggle with fear and those limiting beliefs that threaten to derail you from your purposes and what it is that you want. There were so many powerful quotes that she said that I really love. So I just want to share a couple of them with you. If you know who you are, you can pick who you want to become and who you want to move forward. Oh, I thought that was so good. I loved, loved that. There was something else she said. It was earlier in the interview when she started talking about her work. She said, I knew that they wanted me to do more than put an elbow in their back. They needed to talk. And we talked a little bit about the importance of the release in the negative energy. She said, we all have a choice, right? And she talked about herself. There are times when she needs her Capricorn and there are times when she gets in the way and all she has to do is make a choice that that's what it is that she wants to do. And then the very end of our interview, when she talked about coming to the neutral place of self, the place where you are completely self-aware, where you are compassionate and you are patient, where you can meditate and you can experience mindfulness. And from that place, deciding to lead, oh my goodness, that was the magic of this entire conversation with Kathy. If you enjoy this conversation, as much as I did, then I want you to make sure that you check out the show notes so that you can stay connected with Kathy. You can follow her around the internet and get access to whatever it is she has going on because I know that being in connection with her could be the game changer on your Move to Millions. I'll see you next time. Take care. Thank you for joining me for the Move to Millions podcast. The way I see it, you deserve a business that generates millions. If you're ready to get started, grab our Move to Millions Quick Start Guide and join our online community at movetomillionsgroup.com. If you enjoyed our time together, do yourself a favor, head on over to iTunes, subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Until next time, remember, millions are your birthright. And to access them, all you have to do is move. I'll see you next time. Take care.